guys ready? We are in a series called Wealth with God, and today I want to talk to you about God's power to create. This is probably one of the most exciting uh, pieces that, I, to me personally, that we get to, to look at. And I've always been fascinated by the story of Israel and the slaves and the wilderness and that whole deal. In Israel, they start off in slaves in Egypt. In Egypt, there's never enough. There's no hope. I mean, a slave gets what they expect to get. They're going to work hard and just barely have enough. God delivers them out of that and brings them into the wilderness. And the wilderness is the, is the land of just enough. You guys remember this? There's, God's doing miracles. There's miracles of provision, but they never had more than enough. And so uh, every time the, God would feed them by manna in the desert, and uh, if they tried to gather more, it would rot and spoil. And I think some of us, we, we see this like in our own personal lives. We're living in like God's, we, there's just enough. But it's like when we just start getting ahead, it's like the car needs new tires, right? It's like when we, just when we begin to get enough, the kids need braces. And it's like, it's like the manna spoils right in front of us. And so that's the wilderness. And there's lessons to be learned in the wilderness. The lesson in the wilderness is that nobody can take better care of me than dad. The trust that you learn in the wilderness is going to be essential because if you can't trust God in the wilderness, you're never going to be able to trust him in the promised land. The promised land is the land of more than enough. But what people don't understand is you still need that same radical trust, but it's just not for provision. The miracles are no longer to sustain you like they were in the wilderness. In the promised land, the miracles are to promote you. They're to slay giants, take down walled cities, and inherit the promised land. Okay, but you've got to learn the lessons in the, in the, in the wilderness there. And so um, it's interesting. So the moment that they cross out of the wilderness into the promised land, supernatural provision stopped. They had manna, they had water coming out of rocks, all sorts of amazing things. And something interesting happened. The manna stops, and God began to bless the work of their hand. See, the wilderness was the school. It was never supposed to be the end game. The end game God always wanted to do was bless the work of your hands so that you could prosper in everything that you do. And so the manna stops. God begins to bless the work of their hand. Let me just give you this as a quick word. God said he'd bless the work of your hand, not your butt in the couch. I know, I, 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 I can start preaching here if I'm not careful. <laughs> Nobody gets from slavery to promised land. There's not like you, all of a sudden you can just like materialize in there. There's, there's always a journey. There's always a process of God doing things in our hearts. And I want you to just say this. If trusting God is not a delight, then you've got some growing up to do. Okay? You do not understand how good our Father is, and he's, that's what he's trying to teach you. Like, even when it looks impossible in the desert, there's, there's no grocery stores. There's no crops to eat from. There, there's nothing there. And he's trying to show you, I'm good in impossible situations. So when you're no longer in an impossible situation, you're still going to keep your eyes on me because there's lots of distractions of all the good things around you. So when you start to withhold and get fearful, what you're doing is you're taking control of your life back, and here's the bad news. You're in a recession in your own power. Okay, and so God's like, hey, learn how good I am, make trusting you. What if you just said, look, I'm planning on having an adventure with God in my finances. Yeah, things might be a little bit sticky right now, but I am going to see who God wants to be for me. I'm going to put my life in his hands, I'm putting my finances in his hands, and I'm just going to have fun with the whole thing. How does that sound? Does that sound better than like worry, fear, doubt, unbelief, watching CNBC nonstop? So the promised land was a land flowing with milk and honey. And here's what you need to understand about that. It wasn't like Amazon now was delivering them milk and honey. Okay, they actually had to get up every single morning and have the discipline of milking the goats in order to get the milk. They had to learn something about keeping bees to get the honey. You see what I'm saying? God's blessing the work of their hands now. So God's way to prosperity now is called God's power to create wealth. 
So if you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8, turning your iPhones to Deuteronomy chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 17. It's the power to create wealth. And here's what's going on in the book of Deuteronomy. It's written to a generation who had had 40 years in the desert. So they've seen God's miraculous provision, and God's reminding them of all the good things he's done for them because he's saying, you're about to go into a land where it may not look like you need me as much, but you're going to need me just as much. And so he does this whole thing of remember, don't forget. Remember, don't forget. And so let's look at uh, Deuteronomy 8, 17. Beware lest you say in your heart, you know, beware, when you're going into this promise land with all of these good things, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth, but you shall remember the Lord your God. And you can hear the heart of the Father. He's like, listen, I've, my heart has been to bless you this whole time, but I don't want these blessings to kill you. I don't want these blessings to distract you from me. So remember me, don't forget. Here's what you need to understand is money is just another way to be intimate with Jesus. You're seeing right as he's about to walk them into this land of blessings, he's saying, don't forget about me. Here's what it looks like is when you're in the land of just enough, the land of the wilderness, you need to draw close to Jesus so you can understand what he wants you to do with what you have in your hand. When you're in the promised land and you've got more than enough, you need to draw close to Jesus so you can understand what he wants, to do with you, wants you to do with what's in your hand. It's the same story. It's all about intimacy with him. Money's just a new way, another way to be intimate with Jesus. Beware lest you say in your heart. This is uh, verses 17 and 18. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. I'm going to talk about that in a second. It's actually create wealth. That he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your forefathers as it is this day. The New International Version puts it, the ability to produce wealth. It's interesting that word produce is the exact same word for create when it talks about how God created man and woman. We're going to get to that in just a second. But first of all, I want you to see the difference in the picture of trying to get wealth versus trying to create wealth. Get wealth is like, it's kind of self-absorbed. It's trying to get something from somebody else. It implies that somebody's going to lose and I'm going to win. Okay, that's kind of the world system is I'm trying to get money from somebody. They're looking at customers as targets, you know. Um, preachers may look at people as sitting wallets. They're, how can I get money from people? You guys get the picture. When you're looking to create wealth, it's how can I add massive value to somebody and wealth will be a byproduct of that. See, it's, it's taking what God's putting inside of me, and I'm giving you something, trusting that in the process. And so in, uh, in the kingdom, it looks like this. It's a win-win for the buyer and the seller. Are you guys seeing the difference there? The power to create is uh, partnering with God to bring massive value to other people. There it is in a sentence. The power to create is partnering with God to bring massive value to other people. Wealth is just a byproduct. Wealth is attracted to the person who creates and solves problems and adds value. So picture this. The power to create is finding ways to add more value than anybody else is finding. So you are uh, becoming more valuable to your environment. You're growing. Um, whew, man, there's like fireworks going on up here. It's hot. Good. So, ooh, yeah, more. More stuff. It's like the atmosphere is amening this. He likes this. This is good. So you're adding massive value to those around you. You're doing more. You're serving more. You're giving more. And the result is that you will be able to earn more. It doesn't matter if you're trying to have the best food truck in Columbus or you're the founder of Facebook. The thing is the same. You're trying to add value to people. I've told this story before on my son Joshua. Did not get permission this morning, but since he's sitting here, do I have your permission? Okay, I got permission for my son Joshua to tell this story. 
And so when he was 18 years old, he was working at a restaurant that was known for their subs being freaky fast. And so, um, and so he did something interesting. Before he ever got there on his first day, he memorized the entire menu. Um, he, we, we told him, Joshua, this is how you succeed in work. You get there early, you stay late, you don't complain, uh, you make others look good, and you take extra shifts when they ask him to. And I mean, Philippians 2 just says this, if you don't complain, you'll shine like stars in the heavens. If you've ever been in your workplace, you know you will stick out if you're not joining in on the gossip about everything else, okay? And so uh, he memorizes the menu before his first day. And so the um, corporate headquarters came in, and I guess you could uh, get certified in different areas of like the slicer and how fast they do things. And so the corporate actually was watching him, and they certified him in every area, even though he didn't know he was being tested. He was, he was just working, adding value. And so um, one day uh, he came home. He's like, Dad, you're not going to believe it. Five minutes before close, someone came from um, Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't know why this is relevant to the story. And they went into the restroom and they blew it up in there. So you, you know what I'm uh, talking about there, where it's like, like the 4th of July happened, like on the, you know, the toilet and the walls. And, you know, it's like, you know, do I call 911 or ask for the guy's autograph? That was actually kind of impressive what he did there. <laughs> And so five minutes before close, and so, uh, so he was assistant manager at the time. I'm like, well, what'd you do? Did you have somebody else clean it up? He said, no, you know, I didn't want to ask somebody to do that. I took care of it. And he said, by the time I was done, you could have eaten off of the toilets. <laughs> Which I don't recommend. It's a metaphor, but you get the picture here. Um, every store that they put him in became the most profitable store in that owner's uh, fleet there. He, um, on his days off, he went to some different stores and would get best practices. So we'd find out who was the best at the cash register, kind of interview them, who was the best at slicing, and uh, put together a little training and begin to train his own work in the best practices of the other stores on his own time. 18 years old, make him barely minimum wage or you know, a little over minimum wage. And by the time he was 18, they actually wanted to send him to corporate training so he could take over the whole store, so he could run, run, run a store of his own. When he took another job, he found out uh, the favorite candy bars of, his, uh, of the other managers and uh, wrote a prophetic word with the, uh, with the candy bars and gave it to him. What was he doing there? He was adding massive value at a place that makes sandwiches. Okay, He, he was just adding it. He would have um, elderly people that would wait one hour for his shift to start when they realized he wasn't there so that he could make their sandwich. And so I'm just saying, just, just good stuff. What's happening? Um, God's power to create, think of creating wow experiences, okay? When you're, you, when you're partnering with God to add massive value, you're creating wow experiences for people. Here's what a wow experience is, is when your expectations are far exceeded. Um, obviously, your whole life can't give off wows, like every single second can't be one. But um, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 30 seconds and just talk to the person next to you about a time when you experienced a wow experience. Maybe it was like Disneyland, a restaurant that went this, a movie was amazing. And so I'm not talking about like a God experience, wow, okay, well, a wow with God, but like in your consumer customer experience, we can all think of a lot of woes where it was like horrible and everyone gets on, you know, and trashes the place. And, but I want you to uh, just take 30 seconds, think of a time where you were wowed uh, by your customer experience. So just turn to your neighbor, just discuss it.
Eyes take about another 10 seconds. We'll bring it back here. Now, how many of you were able to come up with a wow experience? Raise your hand. How many of you had difficulty thinking of a wow experience? Yeah, isn't that something else? How many of you are able to think of a woe experience if you tried to? Yeah, isn't that something else? And so, uh, yeah, here's, a, here's the way the Bible would describe wow. Um, it said Daniel had an excellent experience, an excellent spirit. Excellence honors God and inspires people. Let me just say this. Let the excellence of your work be the platform for your witness. Not how bold you are, not how charismatic you are. Let the excellence of your work be the platform for your witness. I remember um, a really significant wow experience. It was the first time I flew first class on an international flight. Um, let me tell you, first class is experiencing a whole different realm than the people who were in the Koshi class down there. It is a totally different realm. And it starts just from like the way they get on the plane. I'm not sure if you notice this. It's like uh, first class people, first class people, um, take your time. Bored at your leisure. I mean, they're just kind of strolling along and you know, doing this thing. And they go there, and while the rest of the people, it's like, you know, the horses at the gate of the Kentucky Derby waiting for it, while they're all sitting down and getting drinks. You, you, know, you know this whole story. So they're getting drinks in there, and it's a totally different experience for the coachy people who are, like, trying to board. It's, they're, like, trying to board by zone, and I think that their idea is, like, for it to be neat and orderly, but somehow it gets lost in translation. Have you seen, like, the, the tension that happens there? Somehow I think the people are hearing, everybody, run for your lives, run for the plane, push, shove, use your elbows, do whatever you have to do. This is the last lifeboat out of the Titanic, get on there. It's like people are just going on there, and it's like the Hunger Games for the overhead space conditions. Have you seen this thing? It's, I mean, people are just going crazy, but not in first class. I swear, one guy brought a mattress and a dead yak. I was like, how did he fit that thing in there? There's like unlimited room in the first class thing. It's amazing. When you're sitting down in first class, you're like greeted by your own personal attendant. It's amazing. Like, you have your own little first class attendant there, and they've got a present there waiting for you. I'm unwrapping this thing. You know, these poor people are being like shuttled to the cattle cart, the coachy people that are walking by. Well, like, we're opening our presents. It's absolutely amazing. Like, drinking our drinks. It's amazing. So they had like socks and like a sleep mask and earplugs and lip balm and complimentary headphones for our flat screen TVs that we're about to watch. And uh, I think there was even an Apple watch in there. It was just absolutely amazing. But the, the Koshi people, they get nothing. They get absolutely nothing down there. And they're, uh, they're crammed back there like a jar of olives. Have you seen them back there like this? And then there's that poor soul who gets the middle seat. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's like, you have to learn how to eat with your elbows touching together like a T-Rex in this thing. It was, uh, I'm embarrassed for the poor guy. And then there's the difference in food. The Kochi people, they're getting a little taste of prison at 30,000 feet. <laughs> no lie, but the, the first class people, you're literally eating a gourmet food on China with silverware while they're ripping open plastic bags back there. And then it happened. The, the moment I'll never forget, the curtain was drawn. It was like the Berlin Wall. It was like the veil that separates the court of Gentiles from the Holy of Holies in the Jerusalem temple. I don't know what it is. It's like the first class people are like embarrassed by the coachy people. It's like, we don't want to have to look at them. I don't even want to catch a glimpse of them. Snap it. Snap it shut. I don't want to have to look at those people. 
And the Kochi people, they're not allowed to use the first class bathroom. Have you noticed this thing? I was back there stretching my legs in the lounge area out there, and I noticed one of the um, street urchins from the Kochi place. <laughs> I'm not kidding, it was this poor little kid, and he was doing like that stiff-legged pogo dance where you like really have to go. And so I was gonna try to sneak him across the border and the border patrol, I mean the uh, flight attendant. She literally catches me trying to sneak this kid and sends him packing. I'm like, we've got one toilet for eight people. They've got two toilets for like hundreds of people back there. And so as I'm feeling bad, she like anesthetizes me somehow. And she gets these little, um, these little washcloths that are heated up and moist. She takes these metal tongs and hands it to me. It looked like it was, it was like wrapped like a mother, like wrapping up her little baby. These things were like hand wrapped. And as I'm, uh, as I'm refreshing myself with personal hygiene, I forget about the people who are back there stewing in their facial sweat back there, okay? <laughs> Just one more thing on the wow here. <laughs> Literally, the, you know, I'm sitting there in my throne, you know, on these things, and I, I found interesting things coming out of my mouth. I'm like, bring me a goblet of something sweet to drink. Get some of those coachy people to entertain me with some jesting and some juggling. I mean, I just felt completely entitled. And then I realized, like, that thing does 180 degrees. It lies flat so you can sleep back there. Uh, the conditions of the people back there, they're crammed together with a proximity uh, reserved usually for an engaged couple in the back row of a movie theater. They're back there, like, completely crammed together. You can lay, lay completely flat. What I'm saying, guys, that was a wow experience. It is really hard to go back and identify myself as a coachy person after that whole thing. <laughs> Sorry for all that, I wrote that this morning. I felt a little inspired, there we go, all right. A wow experience. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. There's a book that says this, how you do anything is how you do everything. It's interesting. I'm not trying to lay condemnation on anybody, but I could tell a lot about you by the condition of your front yard and the uh, inside of your car right now. How many of you are feeling like you need to go clean the inside? No, don't, you don't have to do that right now. What I want you to see is we can actually practice this at a small level. You don't just have to wait till you own an airline to give people a wow experience. Um, I'm talking about picking up the dog droppings when you're walking the dog. Like how good of a job you do. Like leave no man behind in, in like when you're picking up the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like some people, ah, and I remember I was walking the dog and this guy, uh, the dog does it, you know, she does her business in the guy's yard and he says, don't worry about it. We don't pick it up here. I thought, uh, <laughs> I picked it up anyway. I'm like, this is who I am. I don't know how you guys are living right now, but um, like, like, I'm not going to let him like, make my food, you know, that kind of thing. So let me just say a, a quick word about the word wealth. God's given you the power to create wealth. And I think sometimes we think like God's going to be writing us checks for this thing. And it's, it's actually way better than that. Okay. Uh, the Bible is so cool. Uh, the wealth that resolves from partnering with God to create massive value. Here's a definition of it. It's a, an army. Wealthy, strong, mighty, powerful, with substance, valiant, virtuous, or worthy. It's used to describe warriors, champions, and mighty ones. It's used to describe military prowess. It's used to describe the uh, Proverbs 31 woman who says she was prosperous, she had a blessed family, influence in the city, she had a blessed marriage. I love this description of her. It says that, um, and she made her husband famous in the city. 
Of course, that's a picture of the church making Jesus famous. And so this is just a powerful word. So here's the picture. You and I are partnering with God to use this power to create. And the result is that attracted into your life will be resources, substance, assets, the means that act like a mighty, powerful army to establish God's covenant on planet Earth, influence cities, and transform nations. How's that sound? Here's the deal. You were created to create. You were designed to design. You were built to be a builder. You were made to be a maker. You were shaped to be a shaper. I couldn't think of any other ones. It's in your DNA to be a solution-oriented people. Not just fix things that are broken, but to actually create things that the world has never seen before. God has answers to every problem on the human planet, and he's waiting for you and I to use the wisdom and creativity. See, you don't have a money problem. You have an idea problem. And when you tap into heaven and use wisdom and creativity, Wall Street calls it innovation. Heaven calls it wisdom and creativity with a marketing plan. That's all innovation is. And so as we tap into that wisdom and creativity, God gives us these genius ideas on how to add massive value to our environment, and wealth is, is attracted to it as a byproduct of it. Are you guys getting the picture? So let's look at how this whole thing works. Genesis chapter 1, I'll begin in verse 26. I want us to see how God used the word create here. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Let me just uh, bottom line it like this. You were created in the image of the creator, and the same power that he used to create you, he gives you now to create other things. You will create like God. So how does God create? I was uh, really studying this because that, that power to create and seeing the connection for how God created in Genesis. There's a guy named Tim Redmond who wrote a book, um, The Power to Create, and it really just kind of helped me, set me on the path. So I just want to give credit to that. So what is the first verb in the Bible? Create. In the beginning, God created. And it's interesting how God creates. As God creates, he suddenly runs into chaos. Do you remember this? Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness, some translations say chaos, was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Because you've been given the power to create, you have a calling that's going to be attracted into chaos. A lot of people begin to curse the darkness. They begin to curse the chaos. My life's a mess. This, this workplace is a mess. Why am I always in a mess? It's because you were born to shine that you will be attracted into darkness. Stop cursing your destiny and start hovering with the Holy Spirit over the chaos so that you can create like he creates and bring order out of chaos and wholeness out of brokenness. <clears throat> How does God create? He hovers over it with his Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the still small voice is going to be one of the most important aspects of wealth creation. God's going to lead you into chaos, and every step of obedience and hearing his voice takes you one step closer to wealth creation. So let me just ask you a quick question. How are you responding to the chaos in your life? So I think we think this power to create is some mystical ability to multiply dollars, and it's not. It's actually just responding to your calling of being drawn into darkness, drawn into chaos, hovering over it with the Holy Spirit, getting genius solutions, strategies, whether it be a mess in your home, whether it be a problem in a relationship. It could be as simple as using the still small voice, or it could be a new way to irrigate crops in a foreign land. 
You see, it doesn't have to be this far off thing. You can actually begin to use the power to create this afternoon. As you begin to hover over that thing with the Holy Spirit, listen to his voice, get those ideas, get those pictures. John 16, Jesus basically says, hey, believers, I'm going to help you cheat. Do you remember this? He says, um, that, uh, he's going, the Holy Spirit is going to come in our lives and speak what he hears from the Father and show us things to come. Guys, that's cheating. Believers have an unfair advantage. Then he says, I'm going to put the favor of God on your life. Do you guys remember Abraham? It says, um, God said, I will, Abraham, I will bless you and I will be a shield for you. You guys remember this? Um, uh, I think the King James says shield buckler. I want you to get the picture of an aura of a person. I know I'm using New Age language, but just bear with me here. Uh, um, a picture of an aura. God says, I will go before you and I will go behind you so that every situation you walk into, it will be blessed. Here's some good news that wasn't just reserved. That was literally the presence of God in Abraham's life that enabled him to prosper in a desert, that enabled him to open a can of whip tail on a bunch of wicked kings with just his personal army. Everything he did prospered. Passed it down to Isaac. Isaac was able to sow in a famine and reap a hundredfold return. Like this was on his life. Here's the good news. Galatians 3 says that the blessing of Abraham is for his children, meaning us, through faith. As you begin to recognize that you are literally a walking Ark of the Covenant with four legs. You are carrying the presence of God. There is an aura. There is a favor on your life that when people come into contact you, they just want to do business with you. They just like your ideas. Your words just seem to have weight in the room, and it's because you're experiencing the presence of God in your life. In the Old Testament, there was uh, when the Ark of the Covenant went to a guy's house named Obed-Edom, everything in his house prospered because the presence of God was in his life. Guys, that's an Old Testament picture of a New Testament reality that you and I have walked into because the ark is now living inside of you. Don't be afraid to put your shouting shoes on, okay? As you hover over the situation, as you hover over the chaos with God, he's going to whisper ideas, give you brilliant concepts, reminders, wisdom from on high, genius solutions, creative strategies, witty inventions, and you will add value, and you will solve problems. And as a result of that, money will be attracted. I'm not a dancer. I feel like I'm actually an excellent dancer. I just have not found the right music yet that I can dance to. So if you have that, please, I'm waiting here. But um, when I read this verse, I wanted to dance. Listen to Proverbs 8.14 in the Passion Translation. (laughs) This is redonkulous. You will find true success when you find me. For I have insight into wise plans that are designed just for you. I hold in my hands living understanding, courage, and strength. They're all ready and waiting for you. Come on. That is amazing. So God gives you the power to create something of value for somebody else, and you will be rewarded with wealth. Money is just an indicator of how much value you're creating. So how does God create? Just to review, he hovers over the chaos with his Holy Spirit, but there's a second thing in the creation part. Genesis 1.31, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. The word saw can be translated to look after, to see after, to give attention to. And so here's the picture. As he hovered, and he kept on hovering until it was just the way he wanted. Along with the power to create is not just to solve problems, it also involves in it the power to persevere. The power to, that staying power to make sure that things get done. I think so many times as Christians, we get these amazing ideas. This is going to be great. And it's like, hold on, why is there all this resistance? 
how come like the business isn't exploding? Sales are terrible and nobody's responding to my marketing and the products aren't working and um, everyone else is getting promoted. You see what I'm saying? We just think that just because God has given us this, uh, this genius idea, this witty invention that we've got the presence of God in our life, that things are just going to be easy and that's just not the way it works, gang. There's actually giants in the land that need to be slain and I'm not talking about your boss, okay? I'm talking about just problems and those type of things. The solution isn't enough, it's in the execution. God didn't just hover, he kept hovering until the thing was just the way he wanted it. Listen to Genesis 1.31 in the Amplified. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, suitable, pleasant, and he approved it completely. I like that. He approved it completely. I have a friend who one of his first jobs was detailing cars. I think he got like a dollar per car or something like that. I guess this is before child slavery laws. And so here's what the boss did is when you would detail cars, the boss would go and check out the car. And if there was like a streak on the window or something like that, um, you wouldn't just have to fix the streak. You had to start from the beginning and wash the entire car over. Guess what, that taught, guess what that taught this guy to do as a young man? As it taught him to learn to approve it completely, to make sure it was just the way that the boss wanted it. That's what I'm talking about. This is what God did. So the power to create, you're getting these ideas, you're bringing value, but you also need to see it through until it's just the way that God put it in your heart. Are we doing good? Any fool can start with a blaze of glory, but the power to create involves the perseverance to complete it. Thomas Edison said this, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. It's interesting, God gives kind of a four-step process for success in any area of life. And it starts with this, be fruitful and then multiply. If you try to multiply before you're fruitful, you're going to be multiplying dysfunction. Let's look at it in Genesis 1.28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill, um, some translations say, replenish the earth and subdue it. You guys get that? Be fruitful and then multiply. Replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Here's the four-step process. Number one, you're fruitful. And then you multiply that fruitfulness. And then you replenish and refill that multiplication system until you're able to completely subdue the market. So let's use an example from uh, something that we can all appreciate. LeBron James. Can we just appreciate LeBron James here for a moment? Is he still in favor here? I mean, the way you guys, okay. All right, yeah, all right, all right. I know there's rumors of trading, but they haven't happened yet, all right? <clears throat> so LeBron James, he went through these four processes here. First, he was fruitful. Uh, he, he was effective at one thing. It's probably offense. He was probably like a man-child among the other sixth graders there. He looked like Goliath. Um, but then he multiplied that, uh, that uh, fruitfulness, and so he's probably good at offense and defense. But then he had to replenish it. This is where you go through ongoing and training and practice, and you actually begin to need to specialize in each niche. You can't just be kind of good at everything. You need to be really good. So now he's getting good at his short-range jumpers, his three points, driving to the hole, boxing out, defense, until he could subdue the entire market, uh, best in the NBA. Apple Computers has done it. They didn't just start off as, we're Apple computers, we're amazing at everything. First, they had to get good at one thing. And then they multiplied that fruitfulness by adding massive value, by adding more products to the market that would solve more problems. And then they got better and better at it until they subdued. Nike's done it. And so uh, think of it like this. Be fruitful and then multiply that fruitfulness. God's giving me this huge vision. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be, it's going to grow. We're going to expand. We're going to go into several states and all this stuff. Okay, awesome. But first, be fruitful. 
learn the lesson. Listen, the fruitful stage is the messy stage. I remember I, uh, I was talking to a friend who has a house flipping business, and he's like, man, I'm only able to do five houses at a time. I want to be able to do 15 houses at a time. And I'm like, dude, you're already pulling your hair out. You're stressed to the max. I said, you need to enjoy the fruitful stage because if you were to try to go to 15 houses, you're only gonna be multiplying that dysfunction. I said, you don't have uh, great relationships with your funding sources. You're not even sure you don't have your team. You're still uh, developing contractors. You're still trying to get a system for how you choose houses. You don't even have a marketing plan. I'm like, there's no way for you to multiply. You should get the picture. The fruitful stage is the messy stage. This is where mistakes are made. This is where you blow money. This is where you mess up relationships. This is where you don't get the product right. This is where you're not getting the sales that you need. This is the stage where you make mistakes, but this is where you're learning. This is where you're getting wisdom. The Bible says get knowledge and then get understanding and then get wisdom. If you're like, I'm going to go out and buy a multifamily apartment complex, it's going to be amazing. Do you know anything about it? No, but God gave me a word. Okay, here's your word. Get knowledge. Read five books on the subject. You'll know more than 95% of any room you're in. Like, get some knowledge in the thing. The way you get understanding is through experience. And you get, this is the fruitful stage, guys. And wisdom comes from you losing money or you learning from somebody who's lost money. The wisdom of other people. It just, it just comes where you're able to actually identify, here's why this neighborhood, here's why not that neighborhood, just to kind of use a real estate example. Um, you're learning, you're developing systems, you're investing in the right people and building your team. You're learning how to put up a product that's worthy of actually getting more attention. You, you might not want to multiply this product because it's only 75% of the way there or 50% of the way there. So you're adding value. You're making the world a better place. Your home, your classmates, your workplace, your church. You're being productive. You're collaborating with God. You're making things better around you. Here's the deal. You're actually becoming more valuable in the process. This is one of the best parts about the fruitful stage. Is you're not, it's not just about um, your, your product and your company. You're actually gaining knowledge. You're actually gaining understanding. You're growing in your ability to trust the Lord. You're growing in your ability to hear God. So you're becoming more valuable in the process. This is huge in every stage, but especially the fruitful stage. Remember, you are not working for money. You're like, ah, uh, I, I thought that was kind of the whole point, wasn't it, like, to work for money? You're working with and for the Lord. You are there to add massive value. Money is a byproduct of the value that you're adding. You're gaining knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. You're becoming more valuable. You want to earn more money? Become more valuable to your workplace. Or become so valuable you can start your own workplace, however God's calling you to do that. Remember, we're not using God's power to get wealth. You're partnering with God to create massive value to whatever environment you're in. If you begin to pursue money rather than serving others, you've left the path of the kingdom. When you begin to think, our business needs more money, you're chasing money. And you've forgotten that the core of your business is value creation. You forgot that walking the floors with the Lord, waiting for that creativity, hovering over that chaos is the core of your business. I'm not saying you don't need cash flow. You need cash flow personally. You need it for that next product, project. You need it in your business. But when money gets tight, what a lot of people do is they leave that place of hovering. They leave that place of creativity and wisdom and they get into pursuing money, and you've left the path of the kingdom. And you're in a recession when you're on your own. How are we doing? You need to be fruitful before you multiply. 
Because God does not want to multiply dysfunction, and he has not called you to run from chaos. Remember, the reason you're attracted to darkness is because you were created to shine. I remember I was, uh, we, we taught this in Uganda. So imagine, no running water, no electricity, um, very impoverished, no indoor plumbing. I'm going to stop there. <clears throat> and I remember someone's like, how could you teach this over in Uganda? And I thought, guys, how could I not? It was my response to her. I said, how could I not teach this? This isn't some American business principles that we're really learning them from business books and we're seeing if we can find them in the Bible somewhere. Because this is how God, this is how the Jews have thrived for years, centuries. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's like they prosper, prosper, prosper. They get oppressed. They lose everything. And two generations later, they own everything again. What's going on? They're using the power to create. They've actually read the Old Testament and not just uh, believing for miracles in the New Testament. We doing Okay. So in Uganda, it was interesting. So I, you know, you guys know me. I don't like going outside or anything like that or <laughs> nature. You know, I prefer filtered air. And I'm, you know, I don't like standing in front of the fridge too long because I feel like you can actually get sunburned from that light. So I don't even like, like the sunlight outside. So, so it's interesting, like Uganda, like none of my like superhero illustrations like work out there. And so I'm teaching this thing and I'm like, like they're not going to understand like any of my American stuff. And so I'm like, I think I'm going to have to use like an outside illustration. Like, oh God. Like, help me, Jesus. Like, this is outside my wheelhouse. So here's what it looked like in, um, in Uganda. I said, listen, guys, you buy a chicken. And the chicken lays eggs. And you take some of those eggs, and you feed your family. You take some of them, and you get them fertilized so it turns into other chickens. What happens? You've just multiplied that fruitfulness. You take those chickens and uh, r- rinse and repeat until you can um, you know, have enough chickens and enough eggs that you can sell, and you can buy a goat. You do the same thing again until you've got enough uh, goats uh, so that you can buy a cow. And then you do it again so you got enough cows and chickens and, and goats until you can buy a piece of land and begin to grow crops. You guys say, ah, maybe we should move to Uganda. Maybe it's a lot easier there. <laughs> Be fruitful. Then multiply. Then replenish those systems of multiplication until you can subdue the market. Um, I remember, uh, so we were doing a Q&A time, and they had really interesting questions in Uganda. Uh, they're like, the issues they're struggling with are way different than the issues we're struggling with. I remember one of the questions was, if a woman's on her menstrual cycle, because she worshiped that Sunday, I'm like, oh my gosh, we are, I, like we're back in the Stone Ages here. This is amazing. And so, you know, we answered that question, and uh, yes, and so, um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, and so this, uh, this fisherman's like, hey, um, I, you know, I've got this fishing business, and you know, how can God help me in, in my fishing business? I, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, listen, you actually got an amazing example in Scripture for how to do it. So uh, Jesus, I said, if I were you, I would be hovering over the chaos and saying, God, where do you want me to fish? Remember, Jesus is like, hey, go back out to the same spot. Cast your net to the other side. I'm like, you actually have Scripture for how Jesus helped the fishermen. Hover over that chaos, and I said, then you get, and believe him for a great catch of fish, and you're going to take some of those fish, and you're going to feed your family. You're going to take some of those fish, and you're going to save it up until you can buy a second boat. Then what you're going to do is you're going to hover over the chaos and say, Holy Spirit, who can I partner with that will run this boat as if it's their own business? And God's going to give you some genius ideas on how to incentivize him so he acts like an owner, not just an employee. What are we doing, guys? We're, part, we're using God's power to create. So this farmer raises his hand. And I, I mean, farming is like lowest on my skill set. I mean, like, I remember, if you guys remember, a couple years ago, I got severe systemic poison sumac from like, like mowing the grass in our yard or something like that, which I felt was like God's sign, like, don't go outside anymore. I'm like, message received, no more yard work. That's why we had boys. And so 
And so, like, the guy has this farming question, and uh, he's like, you know, I, I, you know, I plant the seed, and then the crops come up, and then they get scorched. What's the problem? I'm like, oh, God, you know, help me. And so, um, so we start talking to him, and um, we, here's what we find out is, so Uganda doesn't have rich, fertile soil. They have red clay. And so what this farmer was doing is he was uh, stirring up the red clay, putting seeds in there and watering it, and then the sun would come and bake it. That's how you make bricks. Like, that is literally the formula. So he's trying to plant seed in there. And so he said, listen, um, here's where God can give wisdom in here. There's actually a farming technique in Uganda where they kind of do this mounding. They don't have, like, these neat rows like we do in America. You see, like, these mounds, and the plants are kind of growing all different directions, but it actually works in their soil. It's one of those things where you actually need to get wisdom from God on how to do your solution. Part of the uh, wealth that's gained in this, in this fruitful stage is the wisdom that you receive. You may have an amazing product, you may have all this, but you're going to need more than just an amazing idea to, to, uh, to put it into to market. I watch people when uh, Christians, it's like, no one's buying my product, no one's buying my CD. I started this business and no one's doing it. Um, you know what that's called? That's called entitlement. And until entitlement dies, blessing will kill you. Okay, that's the fruitful stage, experimenting stage. Are we okay? Yeah. All right. Okay, so I'm going to go through these kind of quickly, and we're going to, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, uh, fruitful, and then multiply that fruitfulness. So this is where you're adding additional products, additional services, creating something that the market needs. And so you, may, you know, so this, you know, Apple had their their iPod. Now they got an iPhone. So they're now they got the Apple Watch. They're they're adding more services. They're multiplying those services. What's the idea? So you can make more sales. That'll be a byproduct of serving a greater number of people. That's the reason. So um, if you're a caterer and you've just got you know. A, 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 an operation where you're only able to serve about five people, you know, if you were to hire more people, then you would be able to serve more. You're multiplying, but you're actually able to extend your reach and provide more value. Um, it's critical to your business success, especially um, if your business starts growing quickly. You need to find the all-star people who, to be, who will be those employees. And don't get mad at me, but here's the truth. Um, the people who are with you in the fruitful stage may not be the right people in the multiplication stage, the replenishing stage, or the subdue stage. I'm just going to let that one sit there, and everyone's just... <clears throat> All right. Um, replenish. This is where you're optimizing or maximizing your business. And so opportunities for maximization, just basically every area of a business, from lead generation, sales and prospecting, sales conversions, um, you know, leads that offer upsells that add more value. You think of it like this. I don't know if you've ever tried playing golf, but it's interesting. Um, just a little uh, turn in your shoulders, your hips, can mean the difference between slicing it in the woods and hitting it straight down the fairway. It's the same thing with business. Whether it's a sales funnel, you know, tweaking the language, the positioning of the, of the headline, all those type of things. Um, big doors swing on small hinges. And then when you're at this multiplication, this optimizing stage, this is where God's giving you clues that if you'll just change this, it's actually going to have a multiplied effect on how you do things. Subdue. Um, this is where you're providing more value than anybody else and you're preeminent in your field. I believe God wants to take many people in this room to be preeminent in your field. Um, you're going to need to constantly and strategically innovate. Um, innovation is not a weekend retreat that you do once a year. It's a constant process of, uh, of learning what the customer cares about, finding ways to make it more profitable. 
And let me just ask you this. Let me answer this question. Is innovation important? Let me answer it like this. Ask Blockbuster if they saw Netflix coming. I'm going to close with this story. Are we okay? <laughs> so Tim Redman, in his book, The Power to Create, he tells this brilliant story of the pancake lady. So here's the pancake lady. It's a true story. There's a pastor in Costa Rica, and he was in this uh, impoverished town, this little village, and he's preaching about the parable of the talents. And so the, the master gave people an amount of money. They were able to multiply that money. They got rewarded. There was a guy who was fearful who went and hid it. So to illustrate it, he does something brilliant. He t- pulls out a wad of money, and uh, he begins handing it to people and challenging them. I want you this week to partner with God and uh, see what he wants you to do with this money so that you can double it. So people are kind of bewildered. Kind of, some are kind of excited. Some are a little fearful. And he gets to this single mom, and she, um, was, she had three children, and her husband had left her. And so she was always the person who was in need. And she hands her the money, and she says, Pastor, don't do it to me. She's like, I can't do anything. I don't have that ability. And uh, the pastor just gets bold with her and says, listen, I know God has put something on the inside of you. You have the power to create. You need to be able to, oh, no, pastor, I can't do this. She begins pouring on the tears, which sometimes people use as a manipulation to get you to quit talking to them about the truth. Not every time, but sometimes. This pastor recognizes that and just kind of pushes it aside. And he says, listen, God has something good for you. There's nothing I can do. He's like, there's something you're good at. I'm not good at anything. The only thing I can do is make pancakes, and everyone can make pancakes. He said, what would you say? Pancakes. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this money, and I want you to go and uh, buy the, the, the supplies you'll need for pancakes. Tomorrow morning, get up early, make the pancakes, take some of them, and feed your kids. Take the leftovers, and I want you to go down to the marketplace before the other uh, business owners get there. A lot of them are showing up hungry to work. Sell them the pancakes on the way in. So she does it, feeds the kids, makes the pancakes, sells them. She comes kind of bounding into church the next day, and the pastor's like, how did it go? She's like, I sold everything. And she, uh, she said, I doubled the money. He said, great, what are you going to do with it? She's like, what do you mean? He said, rinse and repeat. He said, go and buy more supplies. Feed your kids and do this. So this is the fruitful stage, guys, where she's, sometimes she's burning the pancakes. She's finding the, kind of that right recipe on how to do it. She's finding, you know, if I stand at, um, at, stand at this part of the marketplace, I sell more but then if I stand over here. This is the fruitful stage. There's wisdom. There's mistakes being made. And then she begins to multiply that fruitfulness. And so now she begins to offer more dishes. Now she's offering eggs, bacon, whatever those things are. She's adding more value to what she was doing there. Um, she actually begins to replenish that system. This is all a true story. And she actually becomes a caterer and begins hiring other people to do these same things all over the city. She becomes the most successful caterer in the region. She begins to subdue the market. Here's the interesting thing. The um, president of the, of the nation of Costa Rica hears about this story, sees the economic growth. So what's happening is other people are saying, isn't that the widow who was always in need that's out here selling like this? If she can do it, I can do it. And so this entrepreneur spirit begins to jump on these other poor people, and they begin to climb out of poverty. So now that the president of the nation is saying, what's going on? He traces it back to this pastor who preached this sermon, and he says, what you have done for this village, we helped do for our entire country. What are we talking about? The power to create. And do you hear what you guys said? Wow. (laughs) Now say it backwards. Wow. (laughs) She created a wow experience for those people. Listen, gang, you were designed for problems. You were born for difficulties. Next time someone tells you, I work in a place that's so dark, there's no one Christian, it's so ungodly, um, tell them to complain to Daniel. 
No one has a boss that's so wicked that's like, hey, uh, good morning, everybody. I've got this golden statue of myself, and if you don't worship it, um, not only are you fired, you're going in the fire. You know, they're like lion's den type stuff here. Remember that whole deal? So nobody has a boss that wicked. It's interesting. Um, Daniel's small group was other witches and warlocks. It says Daniel was numbered among the, uh, the, uh, the New Agers of the day. So that was his home group. And um, I want you to know, Daniel didn't survive in that environment. He thrived. He thrived. He's the one who trained the other New Agers who would eventually recognize the sign in the heavens, and they would be the kingmakers of the day that would travel far, and uh, they were the Magi who came and worshiped Jesus and caused such a stir and opened up their treasures and endowed Jesus' ministry with millions of dollars at the very, at the very beginning. Every believer has that privilege and responsibility to hover over chaos, to bring order out of disorder. God has given you the power to create. Here's what I want to do. I want to, um, if we could put up the activation on there. I've given you a series of questions to ask the Holy Spirit. I want you to just pick one, maybe two questions uh, with the Holy Spirit that's coming up on the screen. Let me read them to you, and, uh, and you can uh, read them on the thing. It's there? Okay. Um, how are you responding to the chaos that God is leading into? There's one question. Is there a way that we can, it's probably too late to get them to, I'll go up there on one. Um, what are some areas of your life you can partner with God's power to create this week? What would that look like? I see people taking pictures. That's brilliant. What are some situations you need to hover over with the Holy Spirit? What would it look like for you to make God your business partner this week? All right, let's go through those again. How are you responding to the chaos that God is leading you into? So if that's your question, don't listen to any other ones. Um, what are some, uh, some areas of your life you can partner with God's power to create this week? What would that look like? What are some situations you need to hover over with the Holy Spirit? And what would it look like for you to make God your business partner? So just pick a question. I want you to take about 60 seconds. And just with the Holy Spirit, just let him paint on the canvas of your imagination. Then we're going to close it out. 60 seconds. I want you to do this. Why don't you take about another uh, 30, 60 seconds and you just turn to your neighbor and just maybe just kind of talk about what God talked to you about. You're like, oh no, I should have listened better. It's okay if you didn't get anything, but there may be just a situation you're like, you know what, I'm really looking forward to God breathing on this situation, enlightening this situation. So just take a few moments and just, um, what was God kind of speaking to you about or what would you like him to speak to you about in this situation? So take a few seconds and we'll close her out.
Hey, ushers, if you guys get, are, are those, hey, Sean, are those sheets in the bulletin or are they getting passed out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you guys could pass those out. Just keep talking. Uh, the ushers are pa- and, and usherettes are passing out uh, some homework that kind of has some more questions for you to do with the Holy Spirit to kind of deep dive on this. I want you to take another 30 seconds. If you're talking to an extrovert, let's switch people now. I encourage you guys to uh, look at that homework. You know, it's not enough to just listen to messages. You know, you really want to uh, take what the Holy Spirit is doing in you now and really uh, apply it. And so I encourage you guys, do a, do a deep dive. Take some time with the Holy Spirit with those questions, and I believe it will change your life. So I got this question handed me. What would you say to the retired people in reference to this message? Listen to it again. No, I'm just kidding. So um, I, I guess what I would say is, you know, God's always after a generation, and if you're breathing air, you're part of that generation. And so Caleb, uh, Caleb entered his destiny when he was 80 years old. He had the strength of a young man, and he took the hill country. Uh, Colonel Sanders, the founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken, I think he uh, started KFC when he was in his 70s. Some chicken fans over there, apparently, so yes. I wonder if, like, the fruitful stage was like, you know, hey, how about we do some beaks? How about we fry up some beaks? And, like, nobody liked those. Like, what did that look like, the fruitful stage for him? Anyway... Um, you know, Warren Buffett, he's in his 80s, and he, uh, he just made, in one deal, made $20 billion on one deal recently. And so that's probably a good idea. And so I would say this, is that you have a wealth of wisdom and experience that you may not even understand what you're carrying. And so younger people have a need for mentoring. Older people have a need for significance. And these two need to somehow find each other. So that the people who need mentoring are finding the people who need significance and have all the wealth and wisdom that they need, Okay. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but like every TV show that is like, has like a young people cast, there's like no parents. Like, like the whole CW channel, there's like not a parent on the entire network. It's all like young people who don't need anything except other young people. Um, there's a recipe for failure. <laughs> Inheritance is when you get what somebody else paid for. Stupidity is where you think you've got to reinvent it. Every single generation, you don't have anything to learn. 
And so I would say that um, we really need to pray that God gives us wisdom on how to take the, and it doesn't mean that you had to be a brilliant, but you have experience if, you, if you've lived decades on this planet, especially if you've done decades with the Lord. But I would say that God's power to create is not limited to an age group. And so um, I remember my son and I, we sat down and like in 20 minutes, we wrote down 30 business ideas. And so I'm actually going to do a, a session on um, supernatural in the workplace, and we're going to do an activation that looks just at, um, you're going to come up with 20, 30 uh, business ideas, and then you'll see if God breathes on one of them. And so remember, you don't have a money problem, you have an idea problem. And the good news is you have the creator living inside of you who is very creative. It goes with being the creator. And so, um, so yeah, to, to, I would just say, don't brush these scriptures off because you think that you're you're past a certain amount of time. And so many of the greatest people in the Bible did things in their elder, in elderly age. So you don't have a money problem, you have an idea problem. And, we, we're gonna, and God can fix that. All right, everybody stand up. You guys good? Are you guys ready to go and add massive value? Isn't that exciting? Because if you remember, a couple weeks ago, we looked the pressures off. You're gonna have to decide whether you're the source of your wealth or God's the source of your wealth. So now you are freed up to go and partner with him and add massive value and trust that he is going to bring money to you. Does that sound good? Lord, I bless your people. I bless them to be the most dangerous people in the region. Dangerous to the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that they would just uh, love people well, that we would solve problems, that we would be the answer to the prayers of this city. And that, Lord, you would uh, give us that prophetic prosperity, Lord, that starts in the unseen realm in the heart of God and actually affects this visible realm. So I bless each person into you, in here with eyes to see and ears to hear. In the name of Jesus, amen. I encourage you guys, be here next week. Do not go to Joaquin over in Pickerington. Yes, you heard me right. You can go there Friday and Saturday. You need to be here Sunday. We got something very special here. Uh, and so, um, unless God tells you to, otherwise... Listen to your pastor. And so, um, and, and get that word confirmed two or three times if, if, if God's telling you. Okay, there we go. So um, our uh, ministry teams are coming forward. They'll be the ones with tags on. No, I'm not joking. Be here next week. Um,